0: The first reading is from Isaiah, the 25th chapter. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples, thank you, all peoples, the, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich blood full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. This is the word of the Lord. The Psalm for today is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Finally brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly I can do all things through him who strengthens me this is the word of the Lord
1: the Holy Gospel for this Sunday signed it's from Matthew the 22nd chapter glory to you O Lord again Jesus spoke to them in parables he said The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come, come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, killed them. The king was angry. He sent his troops. He destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came to look at the guests, he saw there a man who, who had no wedding garment. He said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. The king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, few are chosen. This is the gospel of our Lord. All right, so here's a question. Is it true? I shall never forget that short question once given to me. I had just entered my grandparents' home, and as the screen door closed behind me to their nice but modest um, Iowa home, right across the street from the fairgrounds there in Spencer. So if the Harrises are watching today, you could probably figure out which house, one of the houses that could be. Um, anyway, as I stepped into the kitchen on the edge of this door. Um, my grandmother looked around the kitchen cabinet. She kind of peeked out around. And in, in a serious kind of sad tone, she said, Grandpa is waiting for you in the garage. My stomach knotted up. I walked past her, avoiding eye contact, through the kitchen, toward the door that would then open into the large two-store or two-car garage, bless you, two-car garage. And there my grandfather was working on some chunk of lawnmower tractor thing that he had taken apart because he needed to repair it. AND AS HE WAS DOING, SO HE WAS LISTENING TO THE AM STATION THAT WAS BROADCASTING THE FARM MARKET REPORTS. NOW HE KNEW I WAS THERE BY THE DOOR, WAITING, BUT HE KEPT WORKING FOR A FEW MINUTES LONGER. AND THEN HE PUT DOWN THE TOOLS. HE ALWAYS HAD THOSE RED CLOTH WORK RAGS. SO HE WIPED THE OILS OFF HIS HANDS, AND THEN HE LOOKED AT ME. HIS LOOK WAS ANGRY BUT NOT CONDEMNING. He said, come over here, sit on this stool next to me. Yes, sir. His voice echoed actually disappointment. His eyes were searching my eyes. He was looking into my eyes, but he was like looking through my eyes. He was looking for truth, truth from a grandson who had done something wrong, something that would bring shame to his otherwise good name in a community. The silence between us in that garage was broken, broken by a piercing question. Is it true? Thoughts and emotions are racing through me. If he knows what I've done, he's going to punish me for it. Should I deny having done it like I wasn't there? Should I admit to being there but it was the, the other kids who were doing it? Should I share the blame in saying something like, well, I didn't want to, but they kind of made me do it? Can I tell him the truth? Is it true? He repeated. Well, I detected a hint of appealing love in the tone of his voice rather than just solely sharp condemnation. He was talking to me as if a man to a man, even though I was a child and he was my grandfather. I looked around hesitantly, probably not much eye contact for maybe a few moments longer, and then I said, yes, Grandpa. There was fear. I can tell you there was fear. I can also tell you there was shame. And I can also tell you that there was a relief, some deep inside relief that I had confessed. It is true. I did it. I knew that I did not have long to wait to know what he was going to do next. He wanted us children to live and to grow up to be people that would be good representatives of the name Christians that we bear. And he did not want his children or his grandchildren to deface the good name of God in Christ Jesus. So that was understood. And I knew that I deserved all the ugliness that I had coming to me. Son, he said. His right hand was extended towards mine, his left hand about the size of a baseball mitt, and his 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 pinky was larger than my thumb. He put that hand, strong hand on my shoulder. He said, "I'm proud of you." In the eyes of the strongest man that I had known while growing up, his eyes began to water. The grasp of his hands as he and the look of his eyes assured me that he meant every word that he had just said. And I wondered what he meant. Here I had done what I had known was against his will and had brought bad name to his good name against my grandparents' wishes. And, and he knew that I had done it even before I had walked all the way back to their house. I acknowledged my guilt and he declared that he was proud of me. He said, you have the character to tell the truth, even though you know that you will face consequences for what you've done. For that, I am proud of you. Friends, I deserve punishment. I received forgiveness. I owed a great debt. So that summer while there, I helped him shovel out grain silos in those dusty pits of those silos, shoveling out the of corn to get to the auger to the truck to take, to sell. I helped him that summer and I helped work to pay for it. And as I consider the gospel lesson today and this memory, I am convinced that He did not fear my mistake. What my grandfather feared most was a broken relationship with a grandchild that he loved. Mistakes weren't the issue. Relationship was the issue. And relationship was the one thing he could not impose upon me. He could invite it. He could offer it, he could reach out and welcome it, but he would not impose it. Now as we consider a gospel lesson today, know and remember this, I do not think, I do not believe that God fears our mistakes I believe that our Heavenly Father does not fear any sin or any accumulation of our sins because His Son Christ Jesus took care of that sin consequence completely on the cross. I believe that God can and will and has paid for any damages done relationally that I can do. God can and we rebuild anything and anyone at any time if we would but ask for it. The one thing Jesus reveals to us that God, our heavenly Father, will not impose upon us is that he will not impose and force a relationship with us. No one in the parable was better than anybody else. In God's eyes, all had sinned. The first group of guests, they had sinned in their own way. The second group had sinned in their way. Even the man who was found later on without a robe had sinned in his way. And actually, everybody who had been brought in off the streets, who had been in those places that had been forgotten and just left abandoned, maybe the street ones, he brought all those in. It even says the bad ones and the good ones. And really, there's no good ones. So all of them had sinned. Not one person in the parable deserved an invitation to be with the king at the wedding feast. Not one. Not one person in the parable earned an invitation to be with the God at his banquet. Not one. Everyone invited, everyone, was invited through an extravagant display of love by the king, the God. The only people in the parable who receive punishment as a result of judgment are the ones who refuse God's extravagant invitation to join him in his banquet and to wear his robe. The self-righteous people in the Bible lesson. Well, they thought of themselves as high. They are no they're no worse than anybody else. I'm not doing anything wrong. And they have their own minds, their own. They have their own little kingdoms, and they're living according to it. They don't need God. They're not interested in God. And they're actually very nice. Well, thank you. They don't they don't get it. And then in the Bible lesson, there's the unrepentant people distracted being their own gods in their own kingdoms with their own farms their own business and their own hobbies and their only life agendas and appetites they don't need God both of those discarded both of them discarded a love filled invitation to be with their God Actually, they repeatedly in their lives had rejected these invitations by God. This was just the last one that was going to be the climactic moment for their rejection. And in this Bible lesson, we will see that our Heavenly Father does not impose relationship on them. Sadly, he witnesses them choose to stay separate from him and ultimately die apart from him. And in this story, the man who was in the kingdom without the wedding robe, he could have had a beautiful love robe of God placed upon him. It was freely offered. Everyone there came with the rags of the streets they'd left, and every one of them had received the apparel that the king provided for them, the robes of righteousness. They could leave their rags over there, and they, every one of them had it, but not this guy. Everyone there needed the robe. They did not have the king's apparel. Everyone there was offered the robe to replace their sin rags. Apparently, this one fellow, he thought he didn't need the king's royal robe. Even worse, he refused the king's attempt to create relationship. The king finds him. The king notices It's not good to have rags in the place. You're the only one. So he goes to them like a God to a man, like a father to a son. And the king asks, he says, friend, where's your royal wedding robe? The man refused to answer. He refused to confess. He remained silent. And God he didn't impose the relationship. Sadly, God witnesses this man reject the relationship and the consequences therein receive. He said no to heaven and he was escorted to the place opposite of heaven. Many think that this is a parable when they read it. Upon first reading, they, they read this as a parable of judgment. Judgment implies these things. One, that you will be examined. And two, that you will receive according to what's been discovered in that examination. This parable is not about judgment. This parable is about an extravagant, love-filled invitation. This parable is about grace. Grace. That God is inviting to all people to come to his kingdom. That God is inviting all people later to his banquet hall. And there he provides everything. You bring nothing. He will even provide the robe. He, He is, out of love, he's providing this robe of righteousness. He wants us to enjoy all that he has prepared. Many refuse. Though it hurts the heart of the Heavenly Father, it will be their choice. They will be escorted from all that is God. They will be escorted from the love and the light and the life and the blessedness of God to the place of their choosing. Some, though, some accept it. Without a doubt, the Heavenly Father will delight in their acceptance. He will welcome them and bless them and eternally with his very best and extravagant gifts. He will provide everything needed to be with him. All you do is accept and follow and enter. The question for us then, is this true? And I would hope we would all answer and live, yes, yes, It is true, amen.